Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. To every episode of Ridiculous History, a little rain must fall. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Noel. That was nice, Ben. Thanks, man. I like it. Changing it up a little bit for the uh, for the opening. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are joined, as always, with our super producer, Casey Pegram. He's on the ones and the twos, mm-hmm. mainly just the ones. He just can the twos just occasionally if he needs a little extra push over the cliff. Sure, sure. Um, can I do a reading? Yeah, please. <laughs> it's just just... I love this. The first line in this article from How Stuff Works by the very talented Candace Gibson goes as such. I just think this is perfect. <clears throat> Quaker-born Charles Mallory Hatfield, tidy in appearance and straightforward with a salesman's bearing and a farm boy's self-assuredness, made an eyebrow-raising offer to the desperate city council of San Diego in 1915. And this is where our story begins. Let's give you a little bit of background about Charles Mallory Hatfield. Charles Mallory Hatfield was what he preferred to call a moisture accelerator, a pluviculturist to the average person at the time. That meant he was a rainmaker or we should say he was a self-proclaimed rainmaker. And San Diego at the time was in a really tough arid spot. Yes, they uh, were in desperate need of rain to help refill the city's dwindling marina reservoir. So this meeting, as described by Candace Gibson, took place in which Charles Mallory Hatfield offered up his services to do just that, refill the city's reservoir. Mallory's fee? Ten grand. Ten grand. Seems low for the magical gift of rain. But back in those days, it uh, equated to around $230,000. And he would receive payment upon delivery of services. Right, because they were understandably skeptical. You know, the question would be, well, what's to stop us from giving you $10,000 and then just learning that you skipped town? And he said, pay on delivery. So that's, I, I think, 
that's what really convinced them. Total power move too, don't you think? Mm -hmm. So they accepted his offer. However, they accepted it verbally. It was a smile and a handshake. And no one signed anything on paper guaranteeing Mallory this 10 large. But he went about his business nonetheless. Yeah, and apparently he had, to, to his estimation, perfected a particular formula of cloud seeding um, through 17 other contracts uh, with other known commercial organizations uh, ranging from cotton growers in Texas to mine operators in Alaska. And what he developed was this technique, like I said, it was an early form of cloud seeding. Now, this wasn't the stuff of Kate Bush songs chronicling the eccentric pseudoscience of Wilhelm Reich's attempts to harness the weather using orgone energy. You know, any Kate mm-hmm. Bush fans in the house? Well, I was thinking Casey's, of uh, Casey's nodding. Willem Reich. Willem Reich fans too. I'm, yeah, it's cloud busting, mm-hmm. daddy. Yeah. But no, it's not that. Uh, this is much more, there's a touch more actual science involved here. Um, so, uh, as Lauren Ricketts, a broadcast meteorologist with NBC4 in Washington, D.C., puts it, cloud seeding is a form of weather modification in which we can enhance precipitation development by using certain chemicals to create an environment within clouds that is conducive to forming precipitation. Right. Accelerating moisture almost. And this sounds like it's a little pseudoscience, right? Uh, but it turns out that there have been multiple experiments with the concept of affecting the, wa- the weather and specifically affecting clouds through the use of Substances like silver iodide or potassium iodide and dry ice. Mallory, 17 times before he had spoken with San Diego, had uh, attempted to do something like this. And uh, he stood by his results. He had a cloud gathering formula that was comprised of 23 substances at this point the exact ratios or the identity of those substances is unfortunately lost to history. He took it to his grave by all accounts. Whenever I hear somebody talking about uh, secret ingredients, I always think of the current trade secret ingredients, like how the, how Coca-Cola has a secret recipe and the three people who know it are not allowed to be on an airplane at the same time. Right, or like they – maybe only one person carries a piece of the ingredient. And, yeah. You, know, you have to have all three of them in a room at the same time, and they also have to turn secret keys at simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we watch too many movies. Yeah, but this guy, uh, Mallory, he built this giant tower, right? It's like a wooden mm-hmm. tower that he used to um, ionize the atmosphere. And I had a hard time finding details about like did he pump it up? Did he, did he shoot it into oh, – yeah. What did he do? Check this out. Okay, so he builds this 20-foot tower, and it's in the woods east of town. Okay. And one city official – this is my favorite part, and this is the least proven part of this whole shenanigan. Uh, One city official said that Mallory recited an incantation aimed at wringing moisture from the air. What? Yeah. I didn't catch that detail. Yeah. That's that's, amazing. That's also – it's – you know, hearsay from a city official, and we'll learn why they may not be the most um, objective uh, witnesses in the story. We know that he put these troughs on top of the tower, and that's where he put his mixture. Like he poured it into these troughs and ignited it, creating smoke. There we go. That drifted upwards. Into I was the sky. missing the delivery mechanism. Have we talked about the uh, the makeup of what they? 
think his concoction might have been? Well, we've just mentioned some of the operative ingredients in cloud seeding, but we haven't we haven't made any guesses uh, about this. Do you think there was maybe gunpowder? Yeah, there was. In there? Yeah, that was speculated that it was gunpowder and maybe hydrogen. Um, but whatever was in it, apparently the con- the concoction it worked like like a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Yes, yes. Whether by miracle or measurable quantitative science, it rained. It poured. It was a biblical deluge. It occurred a few days after. There were likely old men that snored. Right, yeah. (laughs) It it occurred just a few days after Hatfield uh, began his process. It was in January and early February of 1916 uh, that 30 inches, an estimated 30 inches of rain fell. And Mission Valley flooded. The San Diego River overflowed. Entire farms and homes and bridges and businesses were swept away. Can you picture the city council just watching this from their offices and at first being like high-fiving each other and then just gradually the realization setting in? It's like, what have we done? Mm -hmm. And I just picture Mallory rubbing his hands together in a Mr. <laughs> Burns kind of fashion, doing like an evil villain. <laughs> like, is he a, a real-life weather modification supervillain? Or is he kind of like the Mickey Mouse wizard in Fantasia who makes the, you know, animates that one mop? You know, I like that a lot. I, I think I prefer to think of him as, as, the, as the creepy guy watching from afar, as the <laughs> chaos that he has unleashed devours the city. Uh, maybe he had a big grudge against the, the city council of San Diego. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe his like high school sweetheart broke up with him and, and lived in San Diego. That's all pure speculation. I just I, – I don't want people to be villains. So – Well, whatever his motivations, yeah. telephone lines snapped and washed away. The roads and railroad tracks cracked under the pressure of all of this water. But this was just the beginning, right? There's yeah. more. It continued to just beat the hell out of drought-parched county, uh, which was, I think, been maxed out at around 30 inches by the end of January. Mm-hmm. And the reservoir – you know, it was mission accomplished. The reservoir was full, but the lower Ote reservoir couldn't contain all of this water and the dam broke and the waters killed nearby residents. Estimates put that number at around between a dozen to 50 deaths and farm animals and homes were destroyed. Mm. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, there was a there was a real and genuine loss of life. Unfortunately, uh, this quickly becomes obviously a disaster but Mallory and you have to you have to wonder how he broached this topic of conversation so uh about that uh, money yeah so Mallory walks out and walks up to city council and says well i uh <laughs> think my work here is done and uh and they're, they're saying, you know, people are dying. They're probably still, like, soaking wet themselves. That's what I'm saying. The city council people probably just looked at him with, like, just dead eyes. Just like, you know, you got some nerve turning up here, buddy. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So ordinarily, a lot of rain, right? If, you, if you're just guessing, it's understandable how we could think a lot of rain is good for a drought-stricken area. But the problem that occurs is that when there is a drought and the soil itself is very dry, it won't be able to absorb the rain. Exactly. And so this means that instead of going into the ground, it's going across the ground. And that's how those buildings end up washing away when the valley floods and the, and the dams are broken. And this, you know, leads to the loss of human life without knowing the specifics of their conversation. It's fairly safe to say that the city council members said, what the hell are you thinking? You monster. No, we're not giving you $10,000. Uh, and they thought that if they paid Hatfield money for this, First off, they'd be ridden out of office on a rail right. at minimum. Well, they'd look like they co-signed the whole thing and they were complicit and they essentially paid a dude to like destroy their town. <laughs> yeah, which is which would probably go on their permanent council member record. That's going on your permanent <laughs> record. <laughs> the time you tried to drown the city that like appointed you. Yeah. yeah. So Hatfield notices that people are infuriated and looking for someone to blame, right? And he ditches town. He lights out for the territories on his own. And then he waits for the waters to settle, for the water level to decrease. And after the water level decreases, get this, he tries to take San Diego to court. And he says, I did what I said I would do. Uh, I should be paid for my services. And this court case goes on. It goes on for a year. It goes on for five years. It goes on for 20 years. Mm. Eventually, it's dismissed, and uh, he never got a dime. Poor guy? It's tough to call. It's a tough yeah. call to make. Yeah, like I said, I'm still kind of picturing him uh, cackling, you know, in his secret underground lair. Here's the weird part, though. It's even more complicated when we think that – well, did he ruin his life because he underestimated the impact of 
his uh, secret, his, his secret concoction, right? Well, and also, but like when I first saw this article, I was like, "Is that a thing? Is that can is is, is you know weather control?" I thought I thought we couldn't control the weather. It is it is absolutely a thing, but it is not by any means a precise science. I think that's that's where my brain kind of like hit a wall with this. Okay, so he had some stones. Right. Mm-hmm. He came back to the city council and said, hey, where is my check? Mm-hmm. And they laughed him out of the room. Court case drug on. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he got nothing. But he wasn't like lacking for work. I mean, it's kind of a big deal, even though the city council didn't pay him or necessarily openly co-sign his activities. Everyone knew that he was what he was doing. I mean, it was like, you know, kind of an odd thing to to, to have happen. And I think it certainly mm-hmm. turned some heads. Right. And so his reputation got around and uh, nations like Canada, Cuba and even Honduras helped, you know, sought him out for his you know supposed expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this you know catastrophe ultimately made a name for him and kind of boosted his career. Uh, though his usefulness kind of dwindled as water storage technology became more of a thing. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't consider that because as we learn more about how to reuse, store, and collect water, maybe we don't need so many uh, rainmakers in the world. But circumstances suggest that Hatfield probably – made the made an error and probably wasn't taking in the the drought's effect on the land and soil he was probably so fixated on proving that his technology worked mm-hmm. that he didn't think about the ramifications of his actions so that's what i'm saying like you really think it was he totally made this happen like 100% no no question yeah i think i think no question furthermore i would go on to say that uh hatfield's work paved the way for cloud seeding technology, but do you think we should explore a little bit of uh, his successors in this field? Absolutely. Like I said, this is all kind of like really fascinating to me. And, and before looking into this story, I really did not think this was something that was uh, was achievable by by humans. So there's a lot of debate about this stuff, not just in Hatfield's time, but in the modern day and uh, several decades before. Going back to the meteorologist we mentioned earlier, Ricketts, uh, says that clouds that are seeded are getting about a 5 to 20 percent increase in precipitation. So their precipitation potential is being enhanced, not necessarily magnified. You know, it's not going to be a 100 percent sure thing. But – Modern governments are using this technology. Uh, China creates about 55 billion tons of what they would call artificial rain per year, and it costs about $168 million per year to do this, or 1.5 billion yuan as of January 2017. We can use, we being the human species, or I guess technically also you, Casey, and myself, we can use cloud seeding technology to influence the weather. But without being a meteorologist, I, I'm just reminded of every every sci-fi horror movie where somebody pipes up and says, you're meddling with things you cannot possibly comprehend. The world's weather system is so complex and interconnected that I feel like if you if you 
influence something in one area, you're inevitably influencing things in the other parts of the world. Uh, China famously used cloud seeding technology in the 2008 Olympics. Yeah, I really do need to look into more of this stuff because I, I, I just was so mystified. Apparently, it's just only a thing and everybody knows about it except little me. No, I, I don't think a lot of people know about it because it sounds like science fiction. That's, I think, what it is. And the fact that there is sort of like a gray area in like how do we get specific results or how or just like in the case of uh, this this story, completely jack everything all to hell. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The U.S. also is attempting uh, cloud seeding and still in California in 2009 in Sacramento, California, uh, some people had set up a tall metal platform with a crude furnace and silver iodide solution that scientists were hoping would provide relief from a drought. And uh, we can only hope that they had more reasonable results there. But according to Arlen Huggins, who is a research scientist at the Desert Research Institute in Reno, what's going on in the U.S. Mm. concerning this sort of stuff is tiny in comparison. Uh, the Chinese government has been working with cloud seeding technology since 1958 when it was given to them via the Russian government. That's fascinating. It's fascinating, but it's also kind of scary, you know. Uh, we also have experiments done by the U.S., in foreign countries with weather modification. Do you think this could be potentially like used as a weapon? Absolutely. Yeah, or attempted to. Right now, I don't – the thing about a weapon is you would want it to be able to be targeted. Yeah, is it like that movie Geostorm that's coming out? 
Is Geostorm about that? Well, it's just about like a satellite that shoots a laser beam and makes the weather all crazy and, you know, turns, you know, like California into the ice age and it looks terrible, but, you know, kind of fun. Uh, yeah. Is it, are you going to see it? I don't really go out for the big, you know, the big blockbusters. Yeah. Well, especially like the, the disaster movies. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like fun to me. Although I really enjoyed Independence Day when I was a kid. Here, maybe this is a good place for us to wrap up. This is something I didn't know about. And when you talked about uh, – when you asked whether whether, mo- whether weather modification – there we go – could be used as a weapon, I thought, no, you know, that's that's ridiculous. But the U.S. government did not. During uh, 1967 through 1972, uh, they had a weather modification program in Southeast Asia called Operation Popeye. Mm. This was uh, during the Vietnam War. And they were attempting to extend the monsoon season over areas of the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And they were hoping that this would support the efforts of the U.S. government in the area. Their objectives were to soften road surfaces, cause landslides along roadways, wash out river crossings, and uh, keep the soil saturated beyond the natural time span. Their slogan that the uh, 54th Weather Reconnaissance Squadron used mm. was make mud, not war. It's not as solid as that still Yagi one from earlier. Oh, man. Make mud, not war. I think there is not a better place to wrap up than with that quote. However, we do have one more surprise. I'm very happy uh, to be with you here today, man, because this is a little bit of a milestone for us. Me? Yeah, you. Specifically you. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here with you too, buddy. We're doing our first listener mail. In our first of two listener mails we received at the inbox, ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. We've got one coming from Zachary. He says, Nolan Ben, my favorite thing that has been repeated in history is the crazy amount of times people have tried and failed to invade via the Bokdong River in Vietnam. In 938, China failed to invade, and then in 1288, they tried and failed again. Uh, both times, they were easily beaten by Vietnamese forces, placing spikes in the river during low tide, and then watching Chinese forces getting destroy. Why am I laughing? This sounds horrendous, but it's pretty smart and pretty ridiculous. Um, watching Chinese forces getting destroyed and then tried coming through in high tide. As for my favorite Chinese food, it's probably the amazing potato, beef, and rice dish I had when I studied abroad in Xi'an, China. But I'm also a huge fan of orange chicken. Love the show. Zach. Um, I think orange chicken was my pick. I think I said mall orange chicken, um, but I'm also all about more traditional dishes like the amazing potato, beef, and rice dish mentioned here in this email. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for writing in, dude. Yeah, thanks so much, Zach. Um, when I first when I first brought up orange chicken, I was just sort of uh, I was, was just sort of picturing what would be on uh, almost every Chinese menu in the U.S. at least. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, and when you pointed out mall orange chicken, uh, it inspired me. I got really close to uh, grabbing some uh, recently, but I was I was waylaid in New York, so I had some awesome hand pulled noodles. Did you go to Shan's Famous Foods? No, no. Have you heard of this it? Trip? Yeah, okay. yeah. I've been there before. Listeners. If you're ever in New York, if you live in New York, Shan's Famous Foods, they have these – the reason I brought it up, Ben, is the hand-pulled noodles. Mm-hmm. Um, it is literally like in a bowl. It's like a single noodle. 
but it's, it's insane. In, but it incorporates into this whole bowl of food, and they do like one with ground lamb and mm-hmm. the spices. It's just like it's what, what's the the it's Szechuan, I, th- I think, but it's like got kind of a different. It's got a it's it's almost, almost got an Indian quality to it. Yeah, it's got almost a I would want to say Western region of the continent. Vibe. Absolutely right. That's totally what it has been. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Zach. And I would love to hear more about your time studying abroad. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we have a second listener mail from our friend Tom W., who says, Ben Knoll, hello from the sunny city of Berlin, Germany. I just found your podcast, Ridiculous History. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. He says he's going to put it on his favorite list. Uh, He has a comment on the subject of butter tax and Germany as follows. I'm retired here, says Tom, in Berlin, and there are certain sayings I have experienced in German which I find very interesting. There's one saying that goes, Est is alles in butter, and it translates to, it's all in butter. I know it means it's all taken care of, but during Martin Luther's days, butter was transported in barrels, and to avoid paying the full tax on the butter, porcelain was pushed into the butter when it was stopped for inspection. The explanation for the butter was that it was packing material for safe transport of the porcelain. So it's like, oh, you can't tax the butter. It's essentially like a styrofoam peanut thing. Uh, speaking of the butter tax, says Tom, there were also some other strange food tricks. For example, on meatless days, the church reclassified the beaver as a fish because the beaver swam. Therefore, beaver could also be eaten on meatless days with a clear conscience. People who had meat to eat started cooking meat on meatless days by wrapping the meat in dough. I believe they thought God could not see what was inside the dough. And this, says Tom, is how ravioli came about being popular. Tom gets the prize for most uses of the word meat in a single sentence. Yes. Uh, And Tom says, one final thing. The monks dug thousands of ponds throughout Europe in order to raise carp to be sold to the people. These ponds still exist today. All the best, Tom. Thank you so much for writing in, Tom. I think I am going to launch It's All in Butter as a uh, catchphrase here in English and see how it goes. Wish me luck. You know what I say, Ben? Don't tell me not to live. Just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my ridiculous history parade. And this concludes our listener mail. But as my good friend Ben would say, but not our show, because we haven't been canceled yet. We're new. It's a new show. I think Mm -hmm. we're doing well. Thank you guys for listening and uh, writing in and and not being too overly pedantic. I think we've only gotten one uh, punchable email. Um, But no, just the one. Just the one. Everything else. Everyone else has been lovely. And, um, you know, you guys, if you like the show... um, do, do us a solid. Go to iTunes sure. and uh, write a review. Give us, like, all the stars and, uh, you know, say that we're uh, engaging and uh, enjoyable to listen to. Or or, uh, or whatever. Uh, tell tell your friends we were good at jokes one time. The one time. Yeah, we, we might get there one day. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, while you're online, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram where you'll see all sorts of other equally ridiculous tidbits about human civilization. You can find our latest pony-themed vision board on Pinterest. Uh, not really. <laughs> you can you can find our latest reenactment of Martin Luther's uh, ninety five theses on uh, f- Foursquare. Is that a thing still? Foursquare is, is that is that a like a like a Yelp kind of thing? It was one of those. It was one of those check in. Yeah, services that just had you check in. 
which uh, never got what that was about. That drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. Do I just essentially want to tell every criminal on the planet that I'm not at my house? Mm-hmm. Ben has, still has a live journal active. It's He's true. one of the only remaining users, so you can check him out there. Um, or you can just write us an email at uh, ridiculous at howstuffworks.com, and, you know, maybe we'll read your uh, email on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, do you still have any uh, MySpace or Friendster pages up? I got a MySpace page. Uh, what do you think about the idea of weather modification or so, or cloud seeding or so-called uh, rainmakers. If you had any experience with this, uh, you can contact us via all the social media uh, my partner Noel here just named, or you can write to us directly at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. And most importantly, we really look forward to joining you again for the next episode of Ridiculous History. See you there. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.